0: up listeners another episode of unverified accounts for you uh another boys only episode this time unfortunately liza became busy at the last minute but um she will be missed but philip and i the show must go on right philip that's right we miss you liza and once again a reminder if you like us please subscribe to our pod leave us an excellent review if you like it uh and and recommend us to all your friends yeah
1: uh so how you doing philip not too bad i i'm a little bit um sore in the triceps because I, I went to the gym for the first time in a while our condos let you book the gym for like a private private period of time for like an hour at a time so i did that just for just for mental health mostly and uh realized how out of shape i am <laughs> the, the sad thing is before the the lockdown
0: and the covid i was in the best shape of my life i was like lifting oh, really? the most i'd ever lifted in my life which you know objectively is not that much but you know for me it was it was like great progress but then i haven't been to a gym and almost a year I don't want to go back and find out how much I've like shriveled up but you know at least I didn't gain weight during COVID that's that's a you know that's one thing that's a good
1: thing yeah get it better get back to it gotta get hot for your uh, your TikTok account you're gonna start up right after the lockdown's over right <laughs> uh, we'll get to that because this uh episode we're gonna talk about a bunch of things I and mean, we've been
0: wanting to do an episode on the movie All My Life starring Harry Shum Jr. and Jessica Roth because it's like one of these rare romantic comedies that sh- that uh star Asian guys uh particularly like full Asian guys then we've wanted to talk about the big sick for for a while too and then um lately these uh TikToks uh that talk about not only Asian fetishization but uh fetishization of Asian men which is a whole new angle that we have not really seen in this uh you know very long and established dialogue before so we'll get to that but before we do, just uh, you know, just some things to get through in the week. Oh, I also wanted to say, Philip, you were just recently on the Escape from Plan A uh, podcast about where, where you talk a lot about your your you know background in tech and and your latest uh, thing about quitting your job. You, you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna talk just briefly about that? Let our listeners know.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I've been running a, this kind of like tech and labor series for some time with uh, Jess on the Escape from Plan A team, and. Uh, we, we talk about startups and stuff. We talk about a bit about my company, but finally, I, I actually ended up leaving my job a lot because of the kind of conversations we have on plan A. And so I kind of did a bit of a tell all on what that experience was like and our kind of our thoughts, Jess and I on, on the state of tech. So it's a, it's a good listen, I think, for people who are thinking about their careers a little bit these days. So we we can link it in the, the notes or something.
0: Yeah. I was listening to, okay. So I, I went to Sibir like six, A.M. last night, I just like, could not fall asleep. <laughs> wow. And that podcast uh, was one of the reasons why I was like, listening to it, so I, you know, I kept up. Uh, but before, I was also... You know sometimes when you're just like, so engrossed in a book, and mm-hmm. you're like, towards the end, you're like, I got to finish it. I got to finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was reading Eileen by Otessa Moshfag, which for the first half, I wasn't that into. I mean, it was okay. But then the end gets real good. So I, I was up all night trying to finish
1: it. I think the last time I had that was uh, when I was reading Frankly in Love for our, for our podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. Uh,
0: hey, that's uh, that's another episode we did. Uh, that was on Escape from Planet. So you mm-hmm. can go check it out there. Okay, so. Just this week, um, I want to get to our, our topics. I think there's a lot of juicy stuff to talk about there. But I just want to go over this tweet that has to do with the the Capitol uh riot, Hill riots. Which on this pod we we kind of like are kind of tired of talking about. But hey, this t- tweet is so bad that I thought I think it's worth a mention. <laughs> so this is by I'm pretty sure like a like a blue blue resistance type. She tweeted, "When Hillary lost, we knitted pink caps, marched peacefully, and donated to Planned Parenthood." When Trump lost, they built a gallows, in all caps, stormed the Capitol and killed a policeman. No, both parties are not the same. And this has almost 60,000 likes. Yeah. Seems to be a very popular tweet. But honestly, when I first read that, I wasn't sure whose side it was on because it makes <laughs> it, it sound like so lame as right? shit. <laughs> yeah. And um, I guess like, killing someone, obviously not good, no matter no matter who the victim is, but just the the difference in fervor and dedication. I thought, like, I could easily see like a a MAGA person doing that to to troll the the weak, uh, <laughs> lip tarts or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, so like she she has a point. I get what she's saying. Like, you know, one is more violent than the other, whatever. But the thing that's kind of cringy about it is that it just reeks of this like liberal moralization that people. Are not a fan of these days, right? Um, that just comes up so overtly in this tweet. So it's, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah. we're the we're the good boys and good girls. Uh, please, please, give yeah, we us can
1: we can do no wrong, you know. Candy. We can we can cut our stimulus bill pop, uh, 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 promises, right? That we promised you throughout the Georgia state runoff. Um, you know, get away with that, right? But we didn't fucking build, you know, a fake gallows. So yeah, you know, uh, it's just like. But the fact that it's, like, so well-liked and circulated shows that people buy into that, you know? True. Then again, like, the dumbest shit on Twitter
0: gets a liked. Uh, So um, the standards are kind of low, but it is very telling. You know the types of people who love that tweet. So, yeah. but anyway, moving on. Oh, this this happened a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's pertinent to our topic. Uh, New progress in world race relations. An Asian guy (laughs) stars in Taylor Swift's latest music video.
1: Uh, I don't know the guy's name. While I look it
0: up, Philip, why don't you give us your thoughts?
1: That was a that was over a month ago because I think I shared it with you guys in our, oh, our yeah? chat some time back. Yeah, I was I was watching it. Um, I think I watched it because I got. I was just flipping through like the Explorer section of because I don't really watch music videos on on YouTube that often except for like old stuff and like maybe some K-pop these days. But I saw the thumbnail for Taylor Swift's new video and there's this Asian guy. Now. Is that like am I? You know, are my eyes <laughs> well, deceiving me? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so it turns out he's uh, he's actually one of the um, uh, lead backup dancers uh, on her team. Um, mm. And she decided to feature him in this video. It, it didn't feel like she was, you know, doing it for walk points or whatever. Like, you know, it just felt like it, he's he's a, you know, great great actor, dancer. So she brought him in. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's a little bit of uh, a fervor on me- social media over it. He's a good looking guy. Um, you know, it's a nicely done video. I'm not, you know, I'm not too down on Taylor Swift's videos and her music. Like some of them where she has some good hits and stuff. So it's kind of nice to see, but very surprising for sure. You know, Taylor Swift has
0: been all downhill since 1989. That album sucked uh, and I have not <laughs> liked her since. I, I will unashamedly admit I'm a big fan of her previous two albums, especially Red. I sure. Yeah, almost yeah. every song on that is great. But um, yeah, ever since she went all like pop and synth, it's just like, what the hell is this?
1: That's how they all go, right? On on some future <laughs> album, they gotta do a synth a synth album, and then
0: yeah. And I like you know. synth pop, but it's that, that's not that's not Taylor Swift. Yeah, isn't um, is
1: churches like your favorite one of your favorite bands?
0: Yeah, and you know y- you you like that kind of stuff too. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're we like it. We just don't like it when somebody who she's betraying her country roots, you know. that kind of <laughs> stuff. Anyway, um, oh also uh, Kumel Nanjiani Roy controversy, but I think we can get to this when we talk about the big sick. So let's push that off for now, mm. and let's dive into the topics at hand uh so let's, let's talk about all my life which is uh this movie that came out in like late december it's this romantic comedy starring harry shum jr and jessica
1: roth and it's based on a real story that didn't it take place in toronto uh i don't i don't know if it did maybe one of them is canadian but like i don't know if it did in toronto yeah.
0: okay uh but anyway the long story short this is about uh a young couple who you know, fall in love and then they get engaged, but then it turns out the guy has terminal illness. Uh, and but they they go on through with the wedding anyway. And in real life, this was you know celebrated. They they had this GoFundMe, I think, and people really wanted them to. Because I don't think it was known at that point that he was one hundred percent not going to make it. There was still s- some small chance. Uh, but you know, th- this was seen as very sweet and romantic. And unfortunately, the guy Solomon Chow ended up passing away. Uh, so this movie is to commemorate mm-hmm. them. And okay, so Philip, let's get your thoughts on this movie.
1: Oh, uh, so first off, it, it it did take place in Toronto, so. Yeah, see, There's right in your answer. backyard.
0: But the, I don't think the movie, <laughs> it, it does. it's just like a generic yeah, American it, city. Yeah, you don't really
1: know what city it's in. It has this like canal that they feature a couple of times. It's like really nice looking. I'm sure it's, you know, from some some city in the States, um, but it's not New York, it's not, you know, it's not Chicago, it's not LA or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I thought the movie was all right. I I don't know if I, I, I liked it in the sense that it's just like, you know, it's a decent, like, you know, nice movie. Um, obviously, I like the fact that it featured um, uh, Asian male lead, which is just something you don't see ever, basically. Um, Harrison Jr. Is, he's a pretty good actor. He's actually not bad because I don't know, like, you know, the, the thing that he was like kind of touting for himself as an actor was he appeared in Crazy Rich Asians, but he appears well, like...
0: appeared as being very... General. Yeah, he's,
1: he's, a, he's <laughs> it's basically a cameo because he's, he's famous from Glee, right? Um, I haven't seen him in Glee. I'm sure he's he's pretty decent in it. But like, I watched these. I think I watched a couple of seasons of Glee when it came out. Is he like a side character? Like, give me some background on what what his character was like in Glee. Well, he was
0: supposed to be the the hot jock who never talks. He was essentially oh. a, a set <laughs> of abs on legs. Um, he was his character was Mike Chang, and you know he's he showed off a lot of dancing. He, I, I think he was like. Everyone thought he was a jock, so nobody thought he he'd be into like singing and dancing. But turned out he was this really great dancer. Does he have
1: lines though, or does he does he actually literally never talk?
0: Not in the seasons I saw. I think later on they developed his character more.
1: Okay. But
0: he was just like pure eye candy uh, for yeah. like the first couple of seasons, which you know at the time and and still would be kind of you know very jarring for for viewers. But mm-hmm. I've seen him. I think in a, in like a couple of like wong fu uh, mm-hmm. web movies, and to be honest, I was really worried about his acting because he wasn't the most convincing in those but i thought he was i thought he was good in this like um you know four yeah, uh, He's he really good yeah no, no cringy moments um and no. you know since the rom-com there's so much potential for that but
1: uh if there was one thing i did like about the movie i did think the two leads worked very well together like that chemistry you're saying yeah i, I kind of agree with that i mean like in, in terms of the acting i i have this thing where i'm like I kind of understand why there's a tough time. This is going to be a very un- unpopular opinion, but I, I feel like there's not a lot of really great Asian male, American, like English speaking actors out there. Um, and I thought this because I when I watched um, your favorite your favorite show, Chris, uh, Master of None, right? In season one, they feature somewhat prominently with some fanfare, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Dev's best friend, Brian, right? Uh, who, who is later replaced by you know um arnold instead right as as a, mm-hmm. a, a as a as dev sidekick um but like the, the guy who plays uh, brian he's like very okay he's not like a particularly great actor he doesn't deliver his lines super well right and and i think that like th- there's this problem where like it's a bit of a chicken egg problem where mm-hmm. if you don't give enough opportunities to asian male actors you know they're not going to have a lot of opportunities to kind of build up their repertoire and build up their experience and so on and, and let you produce a lot of really great um, people uh, in, in terms of act, acting talent. And so that's always been kind of an issue. And here I was kind of like a little bit concerned that maybe Harry junior didn't have enough chops um, to, to do a good job, but he did He did a decent job, I thought. Um, so that was fine. Like, you know, the side characters are fine. I just thought it was, I don't know, like it's not something I would write home about the movie um aesthetically it's nice and stuff but like the, it, you know it's it, it's all very predictable and like you know the like the tragedy in it is kind of like you kind of know it going into it too just from the trailer and the backstory um it's played out decently um but like you know i didn't i actually react pretty emotionally to movies that i find touching and like like i would, I would cry like tear up and cry and stuff but this one didn't really um you know wasn't really a tearjerker for me in that sense and, and it's supposed to be right because of the story in it, so I feel I also feel a little bit bad trashing it because it's it's like the actual story is very mm-hmm. tragic. Like the actual story about Solomon Chow and his his partner is is very tragic. Um, and and I felt you know touched by 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 that story when I read it like over a year ago. Um, but the the movie didn't do it for me in the same way. So that 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 was my take.
0: Yeah. Uh, to address your first point about not enough. Asian male actors, yeah, I, I agree with you. But I don't even think it's a problem of they uh, need more opportunities. I think it's more of a pipeline problem where you have guys who would be mm. talented not even trying because they know the field is so stacked against them. Uh, so I, I think, I think it'd be great if there were actually a lot of good candidates out there who just need a a movie or two to to get going. But you know, like acting is an innate talent, and often you can see it. You you often have like young. Kids, even like like we all all have have
1: Asian male friends who are like very charismatic guys who you could see being a great comedian or actor or whatever, but like you know, they're just get a job in tech or something because it's it's easy for them, right? Versus you know, not because of innate Asian tech abilities, (laughs) but I'm saying like it's an acceptable area of work for them,
0: yeah. I mean, just look at just look at Asia, some of the best, uh, some of the best actors in the world are you know from Korea, Hong Kong, Japan, etc. So,
1: yeah. But this thriving industry is there that it makes it very, I don't know about acceptable because it's still an artist, kind of an artist uh, path. But like, yeah, there's no, exactly. more, there's more yeah, room so for them I've... to get jobs and, and get good, right? Yeah. And then, you know, there, I, uh, I said
0: that because I think there's sometimes this Asian American mentality, uh, probably more for like older uh, generations. But they're like, maybe there's just something about the, you know, Asian genetic mindset that's not conducive to... Uh, you know, acting or hell, even mm-hmm. creativity in general. And I think by now that is so bogus that people don't believe it. But uh, just putting it out there in case. And then uh about the movie, yeah, I think <laughs> the, the fundamental problem with the movie, which I will say, I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would. But maybe just because I was, my expectations were very low. Um, but as I said, I, I thought it was, uh, the two leads had good chemistry. Like you know, like the opening scene, I already like red flags were going on because. Let me lay out the scene for you. It's like the the main actress and her two best friends are at a bar and then uh Harry Shum Jr and his two best friends, one of whom is Jay Farrell of SNL fame, uh, uh, are hanging out and 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 the Jay Farrell character approaches the women and you know he's like he's like macking on them and then um the the main uh, Jen who's the the main uh, actress lead actress is like eyeing Harry or Solomon the character's name and I'm just like okay th- this is going like too fast why does she like we don't really know and then um, I'm like how are they gonna just like force these people together but except for that rather abrupt start which helped maybe may like how it really started their relationship I thought after that it was believable why they'd be into each other so you know I appreciated that but I think the fundamental problem with the story is that you got this great tragedy looming over their heads but a lot of times it seems like an afterthought like harry shum jr is, looks incredibly healthy and robust throughout the whole movie
1: <laughs> yeah they try to do his makeup but to make him look like a bit pale and maybe slightly emaciated but he looks pretty fit throughout
0: <laughs> yeah but i mean he looks
1: yeah. he looks great throughout. and
0: i'm not saying just because you have cancer you gotta look like a ghost but uh, you know as, as i said if you if they didn't mm-hmm. say it it would be hard you forget that he's actually terminally ill. And I thought a really interesting movie could have been made about this. Like, what if really um, you were a couple, and you knew that your your wedding day was pretty much going to be like one of your last days as a couple. How would you approach that? And I thought of a movie like The Barbarian Invasions. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay. So it's a Canadian movie, probably the most like um, honored Canadian movie in terms of academic Uh, like the Academy uh, Mm -hmm. recognizing it. I don't think it won Best Foreign Film, but it's very well regarded. It's about this professor in Montreal who has like a terminal illness and it's all about euthanasia. Okay, And and the way he chooses to go out is he has this like big uh, backyard party for all of his uh, loved ones and everything. And at the end of it, he has his daughter uh, give him a lethal injection of of morphine or something. So it's a very thought-provoking movie about you know the nature of death what is the best way to die what's your obligation to your loved ones as a
1: terminally ill person yeah and i think this movie was that would have been out of its depth to address those things but yeah you're saying you're saying that the barbarian invasion actually addresses those issues in the movie like they kind of tackle the emotion emotionality oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, and yeah. so on yeah this yeah. movie doesn't do that at at all i feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity but it's not it's not it's meant to be a fun like I know you're not seeing this in the theater or whatever, but it's supposed to be just like a fun kind of like, you know, go see it with friends kind of movie, right? It's not really, it's still a little bit, it's got this very serious dramatic side to it, but it's also meant to be a little bit lighthearted as well, at least the first half. So mm-hmm. I, maybe that's what kept it from, you know, in order to keep it kind of, not PG, but like to keep it kind of like palatable, it kept it from exploring those themes more deeply.
0: Yeah, it was, I think it was too heavy for, for it to, to go into that stuff. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, one of the things that I found most heartbreaking about this movie is that it's, it's all about uh, this whole thing took place in two, 2015, and, and the culture is definitely very 2015 because oh, yeah. Solomon is working at this like up and coming tech, like some kind of like design marketing advertising room, yeah, yeah. marketing firm, but his dream is to become a chef, and all this is very plausible. And, and I mean, they meet in a bar, so you're like watching this in like 2021. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, this is a prehistoric era.
1: <laughs> so that was, I mean, that broke my heart the most. Yeah. Um, why don't we actually take that to t- that point and talk a bit about like how this movie is very, like Harry Shums Jr. is very kind of normal in some sense. Mm-hmm. Like aside from his like, you know, health issues and his, the, tra- the tragedy there, like his life is kind of pretty straightforward. He's like a guy who seems to like sports, you know, works out. He has a job at a marketing firm, but has a deeper passion in, in, you know, cooking, culinary arts, right? And he gets into that with some encouragement from his, his girlfriend. Like, that's pretty pretty normal shit. Like, there's no, you know, this th- this movie doesn't really ever really touch on the fact that he's Asian, like ever. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. There's like one part where he talks about uh, his parents coming to meet her, but it's his parents are never shown. No. And given how many times like interracial rom-coms fuck up the racial aspect. I'm talking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, I mean, The Big Sick, which we we're talking about, movie like To All The Boys I've Loved Before, um, Shanghai Kiss, which mm-hmm. we talked about mm-hmm. on this pod before, uh, which had like an Asian male lead, but that movie was so messed up on so many levels that I, I despised it. <laughs> um, I, I think, I I appreciate this movie for understanding its limitations. We're, no, we're not going to talk about the, you know, the, the philosophy of death. <laughs> we're not going to tackle like, interracial uh, relationship dynamics. We're just going to show like two hot people being cute uh, because that's all we're really uh, equipped to do. And, you know, I think that's why it, it prevented itself from becoming another big sick.
1: Yeah, and I would say like hot kind of normal people, right? Because like he, like the the kind of neat thing about representation for Asian guys in this movie is not just that Harry Shum Jr. has like a ten pack or whatever, eight pack.
0: (laughs) He's fucking thirty eight.
1: I I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, he's yeah, it's it's quite it's quite remarkable. But also the fact that he's like his characters, and maybe this is like you know based on Solomon Chow or something, right? He's a nice guy. He's like a great guy you know mm-hmm. um he's not a you know he there's no abusiveness to his his like masculinity at all there, he overall the, patriarch yeah, you know, yeah none of that stuff he's yeah. he's like a perfectly and he's not like an overly chivalrous you know gentleman to the point where it's kind of barfy right Simpy, like he's, yeah. yeah and I, I feel like some of the some of the rom-coms with like um uh it's like british rom-coms and stuff like they have these guys who are like a who are a little bit kind of over the top with uh mm-hmm being like the nice guy he's just like a good dude he's just like a dude that you you know exists mm-hmm. right that, that is like a, a friend of yours that you know who's just being represented on screen here which is kind of good to see right because you're in terms of having a larger breadth of representation it's not just about giving us like roles as like superheroes and like you know perfect perfect men or anything like that it, it, you just want to show average people as well to some extent
0: yeah so i we we got a lot to talk about so I do want to move on to the big sick but I, well yeah. the last thing I want to say about <clears throat> all my life is I when I find myself enjoying this movie I have to question myself like am I am I just like, showing my asian male bias am I just happy because hey there's mm-hmm. like this hot asian dude with this like hot white girl and does that make me secretly happy inside um you know that is something I have to you know guard against cuz I th- I think that's just the way all of us are conditioned um but I will say I you know given how I reacted to something like um shanghai kiss or to a lesser extent the big sick i think it i think i'm pretty confident in saying no I, I think this was this is not just some just some like pure bias because yeah i will say you know like pe- people of color minorities I, I think we do owe each other this obligation to, to not make each other feel like garbage and i think mm-hmm. given like gender roles i do think that minority men have kind of a heightened obligation just because of like what women go through in terms of uh you know it's like body image issues like being told you know they're all like never good enough and Mm -hmm. and that's if you're white but if you're a minority you're gonna you're gonna get all sorts of additional baggage in terms of that so i think as minority men we do have i I think we will have failed if we if women of our own race feel like we're discarding them or disfavoring them in favor of
1: like white women. Oh, you mean by being like over the t- like like standing all my life too hard, even though it's a yeah pretty, yeah something like that. I, I do movie. think yeah
0: I do think men of color, including Asian men, have that obligation towards women of our own race. That being said, I will say also that if you're if you're an Asian guy, you're also bombarded with a complete lack, not only a complete lack of representation of of yourself, whether in in the movies or just like in culture in general of not even being a romantic interest, but you know, Philip, you and I talk about this often. And like a lot of just like these diverse circles, you just don't see Asian guys. So, so even in your real life, you you don't see yourself in in these uh, like places. Not only that, but a lot of movies will tell you, Oh, um, not only are you invisible, but you know, Asian women, they should be with like non-Asian men, especially like white men. Given all that, uh, a nice movie like this, I do think Asian guys deserve it. And given that it has no um, weird messages about you know, interracial love or whatever, I think I think it's fine.
1: Yeah, that actually makes it successful as compared to the Big Sick, which we'll get to. All right, right now let's get
0: into the Big Sick. Yeah. Do we do we want to talk about the Kumel Royd controversy? Uh, just real quick. Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's so long story relevant. short, I mean, this has been going on for a while where. Kumail Nanjiani keeps getting clowned on on social media for being too roided up, and then for the first time, I think, at least in, in mainstream media, some people start calling it calling it out as uh, racism because, like, you know, supposedly South Asian men are only allowed to be nerds, which is true to an extent. Um, so, what are your thoughts, Philip?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that like the so like I I kind of agree with people calling it racist, and I'll explain why. I think that the, what they're trying to point out is that this is in contrast to, for example, like the Chris's, you know, Chris Pratt, Chris um, Evans and Chris was the third one, Pine. Um, uh, and, and Chris Hemsworth, think the bonus Chris, um, because they don't get the same. Like they all kind of went Lee. To, What the
0: hell, man? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um, you, you guys don't get the same level of. Um, of incredulity right as i don't know if that's the right word but this belief basically as Kumeo does for getting jacked right when they go through these transformations often for superhero movies right because it's kind of assumed that hey like you've seen other jacked, like you know white guys on on screen for movies and tv so shows so it's not a big deal um but when it's a, a you know an asian guy right um there's some hesitancy to understand like how that's possible right there's you know and it's one of those things where like there's no evidence that that's what people are saying, but you can kind of feel that sort of racism. Like that's the kind of racism it is, you know, it's it, the implication is racist. Um, so that's, so I, I understand what they're saying at the same time. Like I also know that, you know, for the other Chris's that um, like the white Chris's that became super Jack for some movie, especially Chris Pratt for his role in zero dark 30. Um, there was, I think there's, there's been some kind of like people saying, Oh, you know, like when these, these actors, they like, have to, you know, get, get bulked up for a role. They'll get like a trainer and they'll probably do roids or, you know, some regimen, some like, you know um, maybe not safe regimen in order to, to get bucked up that quickly for that movie. Um, I, I've seen that too. Like I, I've seen it, but I think it, it generally hits people who are um, not normally super Jack. Like for Chris Pratt, it was, he was coming from being like the schlubbiest guy, Andy from parks and rec right Mm -hmm. and turning into this like super jack like like navy seal guy so and then you're kind of seeing this here too with kamail because he's coming from his like character on silicon valley right where he's literally a nerd like literally supposed to be a kind of skinny nerd into a superhero role right so there's a bit of that kind of counter argument too but all in all i think it is still more or less racist i think he got more flack than the chris's did overall
0: yeah i will i don't think it's racism had a lot to do with it because i but it would be interesting if, say, you take like a you take like a hot Bollywood guy. Uh, I mean, I'm not yeah. caught up on Bollywood, but say something like a John Abraham or Hrithik Roshan, I think that's his name. These guys are like mm-hmm. buff guys who are like action mm-hmm. stars and everything. If they jumped to Hollywood and, and was playing the same role, would people have a thing? I think the thing with Kumail is that he was, you know, not only Silicon Valley, but people also knew him from the big sick. And, and he already kind of established himself as like a leading man, but in a certain type. Yeah. That people were already used to it, uh, whereas like, like you know Chris Evans fr- from day one was always like the hunk, um, Chris Pratt uh, like a lot of it had to do with just like weight loss because he he was he was like a fat guy I think in Parks and Rec right so sure. it, but Kumail was already like he wasn't like in perfect shape but he, he was like a slim he wouldn't, you wouldn't you don't call him like fat and then uh, all, his transformation was all about all about muscle so I don't think it is although it is obvious that there is you know like bias against south asian guy so it's it's hard to say i don't think he's the best test case though for for this theory because of because of those factors but anyway um moving on to the actual movie itself so i had not seen the big sick until very recently oh yeah and um i've heard a lot of the discussion around it honestly i saw the movie and it was like even worse than i thought just (laughs) because like like the most the thing that was just most unbelievable was the idea that Kumail, the character um had these all these like beautiful Pakistani women desperate to marry him, and he just like w- won't even like look at them he's just full of so disdain for them and then there's that scene where w- one of the the one who has the most lines uh, I think they go on like a fake date just to just to placate their parents and then he tells her he's seeing somebody else and she like starts crying first of all that actress is not even Pakistani or, or South Asian which I find hilarious because I think she's like Latina but she always like plays these various ethnicities um, and then I'm, like what the hell like why are you so like broken up over a fucking kumail <laughs> It seems so egocentric for for him to do that.
1: Well, so what is was your, you? your critique that it's not believable, like these things that he goes through?
0: Well, not only believable, but why is this shown as some kind of like beautiful triumph of like interracial love? Uh, I mean, if okay, it was shown okay. yeah. for him to be like a douchebag character, then sure. Because we know that, you know, whether you're like a South Asian man or South Asian woman, we know people have that mentality. So to see that in a movie and criticize, I think would have been fine. But for this... I mean, this movie. White liberals fucking love this movie. They yeah. thought it absolved them of of the Iraq War or something.
1: But it, you know, did <laughs> people like no no like alarms went off in your head when you saw this? Like what the hell? Yeah, it, he he basically does. I didn't really think about it that way. Um, the way he rejects these women, um, who, like these are I guess arranged uh women. But like he he basically does the I don't date Asian men thing that Asian guys all kind of are aware of. But he he does it to, you know. Uh, S- south asian women instead right mm-hmm. and, it, and it's written off as completely acceptable yeah right um which is to your point very disturbing but accepted somehow as like a way to resolve the racial issues and as part of the the resolving the racial issues in in the movie
0: yeah and it culminates in the in the sickening scene where he offers a jar of ashes which is like all the pictures of uh, the Pakistani women he rejected, which he kept around for some weird reason. But he then them, in, right? order to, in order to please his, uh the Zoe Kazan character, he like says, Oh, you know, that this is like for you. And it's just like, oh my god. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> haven't you seen the movie? No, I've seen it, but I just don't remember him like giving the ashes to her. I saw this like in theaters like years ago when it came yeah, out. It, so. it's like
0: basically like a giant see-through urn almost. That's what it looks like. Because you don't know if those ashes used to be pictures. Like, it really does look like they were they're like the ashes of real bodies. Yeah, that's Over really people. fucked, man.
1: That's like the, really the implication fucked. there is, yeah, it's like I destroyed these people in order to get to you, you know? I had yeah, to and overcome these, these like, you know, obstacles by literally burning them into ashes to to have a relationship work out. That's Yeah, it's, it's a really messed up message.
0: Yeah, and anyway, so yeah, The Big Sick, uh, yeah, th- this movie sucks and, you know, as I said, when it came out, all, all these, like, fucking white liberals loved it. I hope it ages terribly because it deserves to, Um, so yeah. Okay, so why don't we move on? Okay, so I think this brings up uh, an interesting line of dialogue that I mentioned before in the intro. So you have like all my live shows like, uh, like an Asian guy with a white girl, same thing with the big sick with an Indian guy or a Pakistani guy to be precise with a, with a white girl. And based on a, a few TikToks that I've uh, unearthed, um, uh, let me just share them w- with the listeners. Let's start off with the one by... Um, the the one by by Stacy's mom <gasps>
2: This is kind of unrelated, but literally the way that Asian boys on this app make me want to shrivel up and die Like this group of Kevin Nguyen's who not only stole merch designs Not only do half of them say the N word, but they're just an embarrassment I wish I could put into words how embarrassing it is that people are saying that they're getting away with so much problematic shit Because they have pretty privilege it's just a group of ugly to average looking boys who get all their validation from 13 year olds Who can't even tell the difference between who's Korean, Chinese, or Filipino and directly feeding into fetishization if any of you are watching, you don't look like a K-drama star, and you don't look like an anime character, please shut the fuck up. Literally half their videos are just like, choose your Asian, choose your anime character, if you thought that Asians are ugly, what about now? Thanks! I no longer like Asian boys. They literally have no personality besides cringy POVs and being Asian, and yes, this pandering to fetishization comes from a deep place of insecurity, but look at Asian women especially, look at sex tourism in Asia, you'll see why fetishization is bad, and
0: Okay, so listeners, you heard that,
1: uh, Philip. What, what were your reactions when you first saw that? Uh, I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, but just rewatching it now, I realize that she she calls him out for having pretty privilege, and then she immediately calls him ugly to average looking. Uh-huh. So there's definitely this like I don't know. I don't know if you can actually have like if she if she can actually say that they have pretty privilege. She doesn't think they're actually pretty, right? So it's kind of a there's a there's a bit of a. Um, um, contradiction there kind of off off the bat and then the part at the end is a part that really bothers me and I think it's part that uh kind of emphasizes my my point throughout this discussion is just that like it's kind of dangerous to like equate fetishization for women and men um like like to flatten the two because to her point there's violence right um that that Asian women can experience uh, as a result of this but it's not something that necessarily men come across that often as a result of fetishization, so the fact that she brings it up and kind of almost equates it to is is a little bit messed up in my mind
0: yeah uh c- hold on to that thought because I, I do want to address it and i and I do mm-hmm. agree like fetish, fetishization for men uh generally speaking uh except for like, i think in rare cases like or not rare but just kind of like stuff that doesn't happen anymore like the lynching of. Minority men for even being seen with a white woman like that stuff doesn't happen really anymore. Uh, so except for those cases, fetishization for men of color doesn't really affect us in the same way, and I think it's completely different. It's a like we call it fetishization, but it's so broad that anything from like an abusive war bride situation to, mm-hmm. um, hey, you have beautiful silky black hair on Tinder is considered facialization. That's a way too broad yeah. a spectrum. So when I say facialization, I'm, I'm talking about the extreme harmful stuff. It's, um, you know, it obviously doesn't really happen to to men of color. But um, as for my reaction, um, I was actually happy when I saw this because I thought that it was, I think a healthy change in, in the way that like Asian American men and women often have talked about each other in years past, because I don't, I can't see a video like this being made even like five years ago because, uh, <laughs> cause, no, cause like there <laughs> oh, would have I been videos mean, yeah. calling out Asian guys, but it would have been more like, Oh, you're, you're just a bunch of like bitter sexless shut-ins who are, who are just cells, jealous blah, blah. Because, yeah, yeah. because you're not as popular as us. Whereas this video, as you mentioned, it, it basically has that um oh you think you're hot but you know what you're not energy
1: yeah that's that's right that's
0: right which comes from a place of of like envy and I think envy is healthy in in terms of you know just any kind of relationship you can't have a relationship where like one one side is like has absolutely no reason to like envy the other or or have any grudges in that way and when I saw this video I saw somebody who was basically being very salty but in like, in like a healthy, normal, male, female, typical gender relations kind of way. Because if you look at the comments, and I, I will admit, I got a TikTok account to, to be able to read the comments in these videos. A lot of people were saying things like, oh, you know what, Asian guys are the new black guys, uh, Asian guys are the new Latino guys, uh, which, by which they meant um, these minority guys will ditch women of their own race for, for white girls. Which is not a good thing. I don't want Asian guys to do that. Mm-hmm. But considering that, what the power dynamic has been, you know, with like a lot of Asian women um, doing that to, to Asian men in terms of white men, there is something healthy when some of that is, is balanced because it, cause if you have no leverage when you come to a discussion, like nobody's going to care what you say. So you're saying that the, the, the,
1: the playing field is being leveled a little bit now. And, and I'm I'm putting emphasis on a little bit, right? Because it's not... Yeah, I mean, like- another thing, this is not some widespread
0: phenomenon. And I, I always roll my eyes so hard when I see like Asian guys write these confessionals about how bad it is that I'm being fetishized. Okay, uh, two things. Either you're just like uh, bragging, humble bragging, like saying I'm so hot that these, these like, non-Asian girls can't keep their eyes and hands off of me or two you're a total wuss and you're like crying because because a girl wants to like kiss you because or you know even more than that because you're asian like i mean i think that's how bad the whole like so-called oppression olympic style of social justice has become where everyone's constantly trying to come up with like a reason why they're so aggrieved to the point where you got guys complaining that girls are too into them
1: and it's just it's just ridiculous. Well, you do have these guys online who complain about like Asian guys online complain about how girls are into them because of K-pop and because of the effeminate kind of aesthetic kind of A-pop K-pop guys. Yeah, I mean it's it's like I can't, I, I it's it's really the, the issue really is that they they can't let go of one the like the grievance narrative that they've been living with for for such a long time, and two also this kind of fucked up like somewhat sexist notion that like men had to be masculine in a very specific way. Right. Um, completely different conversation, I think, but like, you know, th- Oh, you also mean cause a... they think like K-pop is like too effeminate. Yeah. They think it does. Uh, they'll like use terms like gay or whatever, or like, you know, f- you know, girly or whatever to describe the guys. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's a, that's like a whole different topic, but yeah, yeah. that's definitely true. And um, I, I agree with you that uh, they're like stuck in this grievance narrative because like this whole fetishization, Complaining about fetishization is one of the few acceptable lines of complaint for Asian Americans as a whole, along with like cultural appropriation, as we talked about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the guys are essentially trying to steal the the narrative from the women. But I mean, like, I mean, we'll, we'll get to
1: the I don't whole, think like, there's I don't think there's any stealing going on at all. I, that's why I, I, I was disturbed by the thing at the end because she was almost saying that like because guys are allowing fetishization, it's allowing women to be fetishized as well, which is not the case, right? Because women have been fetishized. For a long time, but guys haven't been until maybe a more recent phenomenon of like Korean pop becoming popular. So I, I think they're they're almost like those two phenomena are kind of happening independently um, in time because of different things that have happened over over our history of culture. So, no,
0: I, I'm saying factually that's true, but in order to be like politically relevant, I'm saying that guys feel like we have to superimpose this like square peg uh, narrative into a, into a round hole. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, because you know that's the only thing we know. Um, so, uh, getting to that point, you talked about the whole um, the last part of her video where she, she equates Asian male fetishization to Asian female fetishization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to play for people this um, this uh, video that was actually um, uh, on BBC Sounds. Uh, it's a, it's a podcast. And it's a bunch of brown like brown as in South Asian women talking about. Basically, how, how they like fetishization. So let's just take a look at that.
1: Because you like me? Or do you like me because you're trying something new? Yeah. I'm okay with them... Trying something new because I'm brown. I'm okay with being fetishized like that. Are you? Yeah. Does that turn you on? Are you like? I think it d- definitely turns me on. It's like, like it's colonialism. Sort of, well, <laughs> less, <laughs> less <laughs> colonialism and more exoticism. Start with a guy once and he was telling me, he was like, you know how some guys have a yellow fever? Like, as in they're into like East Asian women, yeah. uh, which I think is a little bit racist, but whatever. He was like, I've got brown fever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so in that clip, you've got, Some like British South Asian women, uh, one of whom explicitly just admits she likes being fetishized. And, you know, they they just kind of go along with it. And I think that is one of these unspoken truths in that fetishization, obviously, in the extreme is terrible. It leads to sexual assault, um, you know, very bad harassment and all that. But as I said, I think this term is too broad and it captures a lot of behavior that. That shouldn't, uh, I think, be included in the same in the same categories of the extreme acts, and th- that, and what I'm talking about is just like the residual benefit of being seen as attractive by virtue of your race. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people might say, "Hey, you're like an Asian guy. You don't know what you're talking about." But as I said, in, there are clips like that. There are articles of writing, like like Jenny Zhang's um, article in, in Rookie Magazine, where she she aw- far away from me, where she talks about growing up, she loved yellow fever because it, it made
1: her feel more attractive when she felt ugly growing up and but did she admit to like discarding the problems around that like the the actual problematic parts of like violent fetishization or is she just saying like hey it's good to be wanted oh no, no. She, she was going to it in in depth yeah
0: about how there, there are problems with it that she ignored okay. uh and all that but you know it, it's like every everything comes with a downside you know if you are like say you're a white woman you're seen as attractive you will go through some shit that say if you're like not attractive you wouldn't go through but you know we wouldn't say that being beautiful is 100 negative which uh, i think a lot of the dialogue mm-hmm. on fe- uh, asian women's fetishization tends to go in because it gets totally flattened into um ev- like in, even in the tiktok she talks about you know war brides and and mm-hmm. you know, sexual slavery all, all terrible things but that's not like all the things that happens when let's say you're like on a dating app and, and you get like some weird messages, that's not really the same thing. And as I said, I think there is this side to fetishization when you look at, listen to like videos like that BBC video or you just go online. And especially when you look at say things that like, like that black women say. Uh, just yesterday, I was in this uh, subreddit for the first time called Black Girl Diaries. And there was this post by, she. she was a black woman and she was talking about how depressed she was because she had put up, these pictures of herself on social media but she actually wasn't getting fetishizing comments and i think she recognized that that was you know that, that's not like a good attitude to have but you know just like instinctively she did want to be you know admired just like uh, she wanted to be seen attractive because of her race and other minority women who aren't asian women a, a lot of times there is this like, desire to be fetishized within reason which I think is totally normal, and to think that that is weird, given the kind of climate and and social environment we live in, is denial.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the fetishization part is normal, depending on where on the spectrum you are, but like the fact that interracial dating is normal, more or less in like you know liberal leaning cities in, in the West shows that there like there's some aspect of that playing out like if you if you are if someone you know matches with you on Tinder or whatever because they like the way you look maybe the way you look is because you're Asian and then you you proceed to have a perfectly like kind loving you know relationship i don't think there should be any critique of that right like that seems like it's a a fine thing to happen on on either the guys or the girl's side um it's when it leads to you know, fucked up patterns of like dating the same same kind of man or woman and treating them the same poor way that that you would say that it's a problem, right? And that happens too. That totally happens. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I think, I think the 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 conundrum for
0: people like that TikToker is that because fetishization is different for men and women, uh, I don't know if she believes, but I think there is this wider resentment among women of color, probably uh, a lot among Asian. Uh, American women that minority men can, you know, benefit from this fetishize so-called fetishization more than they can because, hey, the worst. Like I've been on dates uh, with with non-Asian women, and a, a lot of times when I match with someone on on like a dating app and she's not Asian, inevitably there will, if it's not explicit on her profile, she has like she loves traveling to Japan or she loves uh k-dramas and whatever and honestly that's like as bad as it gets for me uh and maybe on a date is that uh, bad is that
1: i mean what do you mean it's bad it's bad just because it's like no i I think that's that's as bad as it gets
0: for me and if that's the worst it gets it is absolutely no problem there's no
1: danger to me i don't feel
0: like dehumanized like recently i was on a date with um she was black and she was talking about uh i think she was like talking about was like K-drama and, and she's like, oh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't mean to come off like a Korea boo," And I'm just like, relax, you know, I don't care. Yeah, we can talk about that uh, stuff,
1: like whatever, right?
0: Yeah, and like, you don't have to be so guarded. Like, trust me, like when I, you know- when But you see the stigma, the point is that there's stigma around it, right? This is like- they I think kinda... it's overblown. I think it's overblown, especially when it borrows like the dangers that women face and trying to apply to the men. Yeah. I think it, it comes off as a little ridiculous. And I think that's precisely the issue for, I think a lot of- People in that they don't think it's fair that the guys can uh, basically like enjoy themselves a lot more easily with this than women can. And I think the attempt to Mm. equate them is saying, hey, if we can't do it, then you can't do it, kind of thing. Because, and I think that ultimately underlines that this low grade fetishization is something we all aspire to, to be seen as attractive because of our race, but not. To the point where it becomes distractingly or embarrassingly so, is I think seen as the for the average minority, Asian or otherwise, the ideal point to get to. And I think we're in denial about that because it, it again betrays our desire to be accepted by white people. Let's be honest, interracial relationships almost always means minority plus white.
1: Yeah, I kind of hear where you're coming from. It's, uh, it is, I mean, I don't know what to do about it though, right? Like, do you do you just like let let things continue as is? Should we critique it more? Should we critique one side more? What's your thought on that? Uh, hey, I guess I guess being so well, okay. So the... actually, maybe this is the answer. Actually, and this is something I've said to you before. It's like if the claim is that love is love and everyone deserves love, then maybe we shouldn't be critiquing any of it. <laughs> and and really, you're just observing it and letting it happen.
0: Right. But I think the problem that with especially Asian Americans, that's so much of our like kind of like. Political social valor comes from complaining about fetishization. Otherwise, like nobody really listens to us. Yeah. So I think we have a vested interest in making this like a dire issue, which is, as I say, why even Asian guys who've long complained about being seen as sexist, or some at least some of them, are now trying to complain that they're seen as like too sexy. Like, come on now, you know? Yeah, too sexy in a way they don't like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: as a, as a guy, you, you see that kind of stuff and be like, who are you trying to fool, you know? No, it's definitely a I, I But I do understand, like, I do understand, like, even the anecdote you shared with, like, going on a date and someone bringing up K-dramas or something. Like, you you are, you know, a person who would ha- have a perfectly fine conversation about that, you know? But I can see some guys who, like, have no interest in that kind of thing Um, go on a date, have this come up, and feel bad because it feels like they were picked because of the shape of their eyes, right? Rather than because of, whatever their personality you know i i can kind of see that i just don't think it's a quote-unquote problem because it, it's not going to end up in some sort of violence for them right yeah and also um, it's
0: like what, what were you hoping to be seen like as the, the, the it, negative it sounds... side of
1: it is that you will have a, a boring conversation
0: yeah i mean it sounds like they were hoping to be just taken for a white guy um which yeah is which is kind of <laughs> a long criticism we've had about you know those like yellow fever articles written by asian american women which at the end of it, really seems to be saying, you know, I just want like a normal white guy to to like me for for being Asian, not 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 like a creepy white guy. So if you're like an Asian guy and you're complaining about you know being liked for you know K dramas, well, what did you want to be liked for? Did you want to be mistaken for? Yeah, but I think I like not
1: know. not all not all Asian guys, especially you know, because there is this contingent of guys who don't want to lean into K-pop and and Asian like Asian Asian culture they want to be liked as an asian american but there's such a such a dearth of like culture there as we as we talked about many times Mm -hmm. on this pod right that like what does that mean like you want to like me because i like i don't know boba tea like i don't really know what that means um you know and again going back to the movie all my life like it's kind of interesting to see um solomon depicted as just like a normal guy who happens to be asian and like i guess the only asian thing about him in that entire movie is that he he cooks some like a few asian dishes but not all of them right like that's yeah, if he makes a that
0: chinese sausage stuffing yeah which, I, like, I which I is like cool
1: okay great like it sounds great right but like he doesn't you know nowhere in the show does it show him leaning into any other aspect that we consider asian um yeah maybe there's a lot of guys who want to be like that and and things like that will help make it easier but in the meantime like people are interested in in um asian culture because of the explosion of certain aspects of of uh stuff coming from asia like k-pop and so that's what you have to live with for now right yeah i also
0: um i i tried to crowdsource uh specific incidents of these asian guys like fetishizing themselves to uh, non-asian girls which i'm sure happens but nobody was able to send me any proof of at least, at least straight Asian guys but I'm sure it happens. I'm curious though what what is the definition of fetishization if they're like oh you know call me Jungkook or something um, again that's like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. such a flattening of fetishization uh, which you know to me means something very serious and quite dangerous but you know a guy trying to leech off of BTS is <laughs> I don't think qualifies as that and it's um. I mean it's cringy for sure but again it's like this tendency um by some people on a range of issues to be like I need credibility for my grievance so I'm going to use the most extreme example possible and borrow the the sympathy and concern for that and try to equate the two when, when you know what they're not they're not that similar
1: yeah Uh, i mean i think underlying all this is this like bigger issue that i I brought up about like now that asian culture is becoming more popular asian americans in particular like that the diaspora is having a hard time dealing with it right and and this is just an example of it bleeding into like the gender wars which is like always ongoing never resolved always very messy um but yeah like we don't know how to deal with it yet like the guys don't know how to deal with it the girls don't know how to deal with it we haven't really like gotten to any kind of point of Reconciliation around it, um, so it'll be. Cu- I'll be curious to see where this goes. Uh, I also think again, like not to overblow things. Like this is still a tempest in a teacup. Like you said, no one really cares about this shit. Like it's a very small group of people. Um, though it is interesting to see how much of this is picking up on TikTok, just because like for Gen Z, it's like that's where a lot of you know conversation and stuff happens. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I think uh, like in terms of sheer numbers, I think this is very small. I don't think. I, th- I think, as I said, it's it's like a wish fantasy that Asian guys were being fetishized. You know, I, th- I think we want this to happen. So yeah, and, and maybe just the fact that to- it gets
1: talked about on Reddit, like on, on uh, our Asian mask, um, shows that they're kind of buying into the fetishization because they're saying like, hey, I want to put more attention on this. You know, this is on my mind right now. Yes. You know.
0: But I mean, as I said, on those like TikTok videos, uh, I look at the comments, most of them are by women. Um, I think not all Asian women, I think generally they're like minority girls. And as I said, they, they started equating Asian guys with say like black guys and Latino guys. So even if this is not actually widespread, I think the threat of this happening yeah. is very well understood because all minority groups know that um, this is at least the way it's currently set up. It's kind of a zero sum game. You're either going to end up like at, at the one end of the spectrum, you're going to end up like Asian guys where you're you're the unwanted, Nobody wants to be the unwanted half of their racial group. So you either end up like Asian guys, which is crap for guys, but better for women. In terms of dating, that is. I mean, some may dismiss it as fuckability politics, but really, if you look at it, all politics is kind of fuckability politics. Or you end up like black people, where it's good for the guys, but bad for the women, Mm -hmm. which is why it's very interesting always to look at what's happening among South Asians, which is why I sent you that link. Yesterday in the uh, ABC Desi's subreddit on Reddit, yeah. where the gender war is always breaking out every week. This time, um, it was uh, I think it was a, a brown guy saying there were these like cringe uh, TikTok videos where anytime there's a there's a brown guy with a white girl, all the comments are like brown brown boy made it or or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then they had their own videos because, as I said, like uh, if you look at the South Asian community, uh, they have some of the lowest interracial marriage rates uh you really you know generally speaking it's it's most common to see brown guys with brown girls and and vice versa there is no like gender imbalance yet but they are obsessed with this topic just like with every other minority group because we all understand what the possibilities are because we've seen it happen to other groups and i'm sure the brown guys don't want to end up like the asian guys and the brown girls don't want to end up like the black girls so there's this constant um you know, policing and, and resentment that even if it's not happening now, uh, that one day, if, if they don't keep up their vigilance, that's the natural lead uh path that it will lead to.
1: It's funny, like all this, like, um, you know, the way you, you described as the vigilance is so, like, what does the vigilance actually do? People are just complaining about what is the zeitgeist right now? Like what's actually happening? The thing that's actually like making changes in, in people's perceptions of like who is attractive, who is datable, and so on actually has, I think, very little to do with the conversation. Maybe it has some to do with the conversation online, like probably not. But like, I, I like to think about how, you know, you have these groups of, um, you know, rebellious Asian guys online who have like learned to like themselves and are now demanding to be more dateable. Seeing the rise of like K-pop and like even things like Crazy Rich Asians and this movie All My Life where, you know, Hollywood has decided to show some Asian guys, like some good looking Asian guys online uh, or sorry, on, on screen. And it's probably that that's changing people's perceptions, like that they see, oh, like there are, you know, there's people who are Asian who are attractive and maybe I'd be interested in dating them. Like that's probably where the change is actually happening. It's not happening in these like very, sometimes very painful battles, like these gender wars online. Like I don't think that that's actually making any change. It's just causing more rifts in the the two sides of anything.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. These these discussions, like the, the average person engaging in these, they don't have some grand plan in mind, where they have like uh, you know, a set goal, coordinated effort. It's, didn't it's make more a, just like did they
1: make a porno at one point? <laughs> oh yeah, that's the uh, the
0: Asian identity porno. Yeah, but it's it's all individual, like griping. You know that that's all yeah. it amounts to. And then it, it, because it's it's relatively common, it looks like some unified effort because a lot of people are going to echo the same things. But there's no grand plan in mind. And I mean, you bring up things like K-pop, but the the important thing to realize about something like BTS was that it wasn't as if uh the grammys or hollywood one day decide to pluck this no. unknown uh korean band uh, and just t- just impose top down hey these these are gonna be your new idols it was extremely organic which is which is a little odd to think about in terms of k-pop but that's how it happened because i remember when like bts first started uh showing up on on american Charts, yeah. shores and stuff i think it was like 2017 mm-hmm actually this was on a on a date with with a with a white woman who was she was like she told me oh she was a big k-pop fan and even wrote for wrote stuff for it uh she's like i'm going to a bts concert i'm like wait a minute uh, is that big bang i don't i've never heard of this bts like who are these guys <laughs> right. um then a year later you see them showing up in like the amas and even then there was a lot of skepticism like is this just is it just like like you, you know, whenever like an Asian person becomes popular, everyone thinks it's like, they just got like China to vote for them or something. Yeah. Um. I thought it was, uh, you know, there were suspicions about that, but it, it was just so relentless that at, at a certain point, American media realized, hey, we can't ignore these guys. So uh, why don't we profit off of them by embracing them? Everyone mm-hmm. wants to do like a duet with them and everything. So it wasn't, unlike a lot of the, the media rep arguments, which uh, a lot of uh, Asian Americans, especially Asian guys think, if we just get that, one like good looking guy cast in that movie then everybody will change their minds no it's it's more the other way it had there has to be like this groundswell natural support for somebody and and the end result is that person rising to that level it has to be from the bottom up it can't be from the top down and 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 bts even though it is like culture and and media rep was representative of more of a bottom to top organic wave yeah
1: yeah And that's the thing too, it's like, it was never going to happen like just within America because Asian Americans were just too small of an audience to have any sort of like big, like there could be maybe some cult stuff, right? And like maybe indie films and so on, but like never anything big. It had to come from Asia and it is now and people are kind of wrestling with that, right? It's Mm -hmm. causing a lot of problems. Like the mahjong stuff we talked about last episode is is part of that too, because it's causing all these issues where... You know, there's questions about, like, what it means to be Asian American versus um, Asian Asian and what your relationship to the culture is, depending on each of those things, right? But, I mean, I think the last thing I'll say about this is going back again to, like, the the gender wars is, and, and the online discourse is that it's just dangerous, right? Like, in the same way that flattening fetishization is, is like, unfair for men and women, so is, like, where this discourse, uh, discourse leads because all this, like, anonymous conversation around like how Asian men and women are doing. The, the negative outcome is going to weigh down more on women. They're going to see online abuse, like maybe physical abuse, right? From this sort of conversation rather than like the guys. So it, I actually, am starting to think that like, it's it's a topic that like, it's going to keep raging on, but like, it's going to make no progress. What's really going to make progress is uh, like, you know, 200 million fans of K-pop or whatever, right? That's actually going <laughs> to make progress on, on how things change.
0: The thing is, I, uh, you know, I look at these like TikTok videos and I see almost absolutely no, no difference than say, th- like the Tumblr posts from like the early 2010s. Um, it is really the same type of discussions. Like a- yeah. every, every like new su- subgeneration of Asian Americans comes across these same things. And the format might be a little different because this time it's like live video, not live, but like short videos as opposed to posts online. But the dialogue really hasn't moved that much except for, as I said, this whole like Asian guys fetishizing Asian maleness is, is a new angle, but you know, the complaints are totally the same. And the thing that I want not say worries, but it just kind of exasperates me is that inevitably, you know, the, the big, like the big shots in this like Asian American TikTok universe are going to age out of this. And there is no next step that, for for them to go to oh
1: we don't know Um, what it is yet i I don't know about that because there's there's some very popular people who are getting big deals doing like i think like some really big um uh tiktok stars like gonna star in a show or a movie or something like that like it it branches into it eventually branches back into like the the behemoth that is like hollywood and the american media system yeah but
0: i doubt that if they do that, it won't be because of this, like Asian. I'm, I'm talking specifically about this Asian American discussion. Oh no, 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 that's not going. Um, that's that's right. 10%, so that, 10% that's what TikTok, I'm talking yeah. about. Like there, there was this one uh, TikToker who who was speaking, um not, not particularly insightfully, but saying some very like, I thought for TikTok very blunt and brave things about uh, just like the nature of Asian American male and female fetishization. And then I saw a lot of comments were like, oh my God, this is why I follow you. This is so great. But I was thinking, yeah, but we've seen this so many times before. And it's like, where does it lead? It's like, it's like a therapy session for everyone. And
1: then there's no follow through. like are really, people? but got- I'm saying this is, there's not really a, like like a therapy session because it, it leads to just more grievances between the two genders.
0: And, well, that, and, that
1: is like therapies for some and people. Po- and potential harassment. It's not a good thing though, So I'm saying. Like, it doesn't lead to anything productive like you're about to get to, right? Like nothing really yeah, so is coming out of
0: that's my, that's my point in that even just like a couple of years ago, like SAT, as much derided as it is now, at the time it was seen as there were like articles like saying, is this like the new Asian American frontier? Even I wrote a, a, a piece like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, where, where do those people go? They'll, they'll just go on with their lives. Uh, there's just like a phase. That's what I'm saying. I don't want this just to be a phase in people's lives. I want them to carry on this discussion to like the next level. Like if, if let's like say you're like a, a writer, then then write something about it um, or, or whatever, because it's like too many times discussion rages on for like a few years, usually when I think people are kind of like in their 20s. Um, and, then, and then people just kind of forget about it. And it's not like they find a healthier alternative. I think people just like get tired and then, and then th- there's no progress made. So then the next wave just start from the bottom of uh, ground zero again. Uh, As opposed to building on on things that have been said before. So based on what I've seen before, you know, this is all going to peter out soon. And then whatever the next platform is, maybe it's going to be like 3D TikTok, whatever that is. (laughs) uh, We're going to have like the same discussion. So I want there to be some progress. And I agree with you. There's a limitation to what these discussions can accomplish. Um, It's the same stuff that gets said and said. And uh, you know, people are going to write paragraphs of essay, like an essay's worth of comments on their on their thoughts and feelings. All of which are, you know, they're not invalid, but you know, at, at, you know, at what point is it just like pre- either preaching to the choir or just antagonizing the same old uh, nemesis? Um, I think at a certain point you got to be like, okay, when I say I'm going to do my own thing, I don't mean like abandoning this altogether, but I'm going to find a new way to do this. Like, so whatever you are, if you're like, say a writer, I mean, I just keep using writer's example because, you know, I like to write, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I don't know, write, write a new type of Asian American novel, for example, that's, that actually explores these things in depth from a <clears throat> honest insightful way i don't know something like that uh, as opposed to just being engaged in these endless online debates i've been going on for at least a decade you know in terms of being on the internet yeah uh, okay uh we are
1: approaching time so uh any any last thoughts not much more to say about that i mean i think i think the the overarching topic of like asianship becoming popular and causing us to go bananas that's going to come up again um but <laughs> not much more to say i'm sure tiktok will come up again too because i think the other side is just like you know like it's a big, it's a big space. I agree. Not a lot of progress necessarily making on, be, being made on the on the discourse or whatever, but it is a big space, and so it's always interesting to keep an eye on what the kids are up to.
0: No, I think I think I'm good. Uh, it's okay. a good discussion. Again, we we miss Liza. She has some very uh, interesting things to say about this matter as well. I'm sure we'll get another chance to to talk about mm-hmm. this. Um, but thanks for listening, and join us next time for unverified accounts. See you.